Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. And if you ask a thousand people what their number one value is and what they want, you know, probably 90%, not even 99% are going to say, I just want to be happy. So from that perspective, pain is a problem. But what if life doesn't give a rat's ass about your happiness? What, what if that's the case? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Businesses grow when people do, and one of the most important predictors of your ability to grow as a person is your relationship to pain. What is your relationship to pain? Do you have the strength to embrace it, to investigate it, to turn toward it? What if your ability to learn from life's lessons is entirely dependent on your ability to develop and cultivate your relationship with pain? Keep listening to find out more. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations just like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. On the subject of life as a teacher, this is a expression that's so common, it's become cliche. Life's the greatest teacher. Of course, you know, what life lessons are you learning? Uh, the biggest life lesson I've ever learned is it gets talked about a lot, but generally not in a granular enough way to really learn everything that life is trying to teach you. And so the, the question I want you to start considering today, and maybe you've already been considering it. But the question I want you to, to consider, maybe we'll talk about, is what specifically do you think life is trying to teach you these days? What specifically is life trying to teach you? It's the ultimate context, in a way, to interpret all of your life content challenges, especially, through. Because we all have frustrations and challenges and difficulties. But if you look at all of those, the perhaps long list of them that there are, and you try to look through them and go, oh, okay, what's the theme? What's the context? What's life trying to teach me right now? What is it that life wants me to learn? Because for, for most of us, we say, oh, yeah, life's always teaching us lessons. And then we go and complain about all that we got to deal with. Right. And there's a connection there that doesn't always happen. And, you know, you can connect it in one moment and not in another. I'll never forget this, this moment. Well, this goes, I haven't thought about this in years. I was working at a telefundraising center in uh, just a few blocks from Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley, California. And it was a wild place for, you know, hippies and punks, and it was a nonprofit. Uh, it was a for-profit company that did telefundraising for nonprofit companies. You know, insert 
commentary about the dysfunction of that here. Uh, Sierra Club, public radio, public TV. So it was a very progressive, liberal, kind of crazy place, but it was a for-profit company. So there, there were weird things going on there in a lot of ways. And the working conditions were not great. And, and there were a lot of unfair things that were going on there. And I was a middle manager there. I was 23, 24. I was a middle manager. I was a training manager. I would train like 10 people a week on how to get started. And I was involved in hiring and, and I would oversee campaigns as well. And there was a union effort. There was a union organiza- organization drive. And being caught in the middle, because I started out as a caller at like age, you know, 22 and a half. And then was in middle management. I was sort of in the middle and I was outside on, on the curb uh, talking with someone about it. And, and this looked like he could have been homeless, but lots of people in Berkeley look like that. I saw this very disheveled looking guy and we're talking about what the callers need and the minimum wage and how unreasonable it is. And, but at the same time, you can make a lot of money and work and, and he can't hear any of this. And he's, I see him coming from like 20 yards away and he comes up and he looks at me and and a colleague and he goes, and he just says, out of the blue, people don't want to be in the box and they don't want to be out of the box. And then he kept walking. I I almost fell down. I mean, he just summarily thematicized everything there was to say about unions and the management troubles. And uh, it, it still gives me chills to think about it. What and you've probably experienced things like that. What explains such a phenomenon? What what explains that? And the way it looks to me is that was the voice of life. Life was talking through that guy, and a lot of people who are um, homeless like that are 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 homeless because they're they're such open vessels to the energy of life that they can't manage it. You know, a lot of those people are actually quite gifted. I used to spend a lot of time talking with them in in, uh, in Ashland, Oregon, in the parks. A lot of them are very their 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 minds are so open. They're like blown out, and they can't really function very well. But um, in in some ways, they can be quite genius. So there there was life talking, and that was the life lesson that I was learning at the time. It was about um, people and boundaries and what they needed and what they didn't need and, and all of that in the context of this really contentious union thing that was happening at the time. In the end, the union uh, won and uh, the call center closed down in order to avoid having to deal with the union. So everybody lost. It was a really sad thing and a good example of how unions don't, really don't work. But that's another story. So what life lessons, what specifically is life trying to teach you? Because if you really get that and you're really abiding with that, then everywhere you look, you're going to see it like a fractal. It's going to be everywhere. And the more frustrating something is for you and the more unmanageable it seems, could be related to that you're not seeing that content frustration in the context of the life lesson that it is. And this happens all the time when, you know, I'm always using the example of people dating the same person again and again and again, you know, and you 
another relationship ends and you, oh, why, what, why is it that men are always, why is it that women are always, why can't I just, and the more frustration there is there, usually it's, it's the, the, it's because there's the least amount of surrender and recognition of, oh man, I did it again. This person was my mother. This person was my father. And, you know, often eventually that becomes clear. But what about that gap? How quickly can you see the content in the context of what life is trying to teach you? Because the smaller that moment is, well, the faster you learn. And what happens when you don't learn the lessons, when you don't listen to the whisperings that life is trying to offer you? What does it do? It tends to get louder. <laughs> tends to get louder. So this is entirely self-interested. And, and this, I really think, fits pretty much any, any spirituality or non-spirituality you, you want to subscribe to. You know, you can, you can call life God. You can call it uh, the non-dual. You can call it whatever. You can call it whatever you want. You can say that it has nothing to do with spirituality at all, but there's this kind of survival of the fittest uh, biological determinism thing that wants us to evolve as aware beings just from a purely survival standpoint. You can come at it that way. You can come at it purely scientifically and biologically. It works that way too. But I think it's pretty hard to argue and you look at your own life and anyone else's life, and you look at the, the long story arcs in it, something, someone, somewhat, I don't know. Who knows? We can't really know. But something really wants us to grow in awareness. And when we don't listen, it gets louder. And it, it will win. It will win. Reality will win. When it wants to show you something, its strategy, how intentional it is or not, I don't know. People with money issues, the money issues will get bigger until you learn your lesson. People with romance issues, the drama will get bigger until you learn your lesson. People with housing issues, people with issues breaking stuff, people with responsibility issues, it's going to get bigger and worse and worse because what else? Pain is the way life gets our attention. Pain is the way life gets our attention. But look at the amount of dollars and resources in our world that go into making pain go away, right? Now, useful tool for sure. I mean, there are absolutely times where you want to be able to make pain go away. You know, like if, I'm, if I need to have my arm amputated, I don't think it's going to serve me spiritually to feel that happen in process, maybe, but I'm, I'm, I don't think so. I'd prefer not to feel that. <laughs> but when you look at the amount of dollars, the industry in our world of the amount of money that goes into escaping from alleviating, repressing pain, that's our relationship to reality. That's our default mode. We don't go, oh, pain, how interesting. I wonder what it is life's trying to teach me. We reach for the bottle of Advil or for the bottle of liquor or for the joint or for the, you know blockbuster movie or anything that will take our pain away. Absolutely in the medical industry. Yeah. And look at what's, what's in the news these days is how uh, heroin use is on the rise because people are getting so hooked on opiates in hospitals and from their doctors. And then 
it's easier for the easier and cheaper for them to get heroin off the street when their doctors want to cut them off. Because, you know, and we have uh, Michael Jackson and Prince and many other people are, are getting really hooked on this stuff. You know, there's a psychological thing. It's like having the access, having it right there, having that access to, I can change the state of my pain any moment I want. You know, there's a different, taking the pill is one thing. Being able to take the pill at any moment is another thing. That's how we orient toward pain. And it's painful being a human being. There's, there's a lot of it. So it's, it's hard. But what if we related to our pain as growing pains? What if these were growing pains that we managed and sought to learn from rather than saying, well, the point of my life is to be happy. I just want to be happy. If that's the number one value, if happiness is your number one value, then all pain is then cast as an obstacle to your happiness. That's what happens. And if you ask a thousand people what their number one value is and what they want, you know, probably 90%, not even 99% are going to say, I just want to be happy. So from that perspective, pain is a problem. But what if life doesn't give a rat's ass about your happiness? What if that's the case? If that's the case, because I don't, it doesn't look to me like life cares about our happiness. I don't see that. You've heard me say this before. I don't see BLTs growing on trees. I don't see like, at, you know, it's, I mean, e- even here in Maui, it could get cool at night. You know, you can't just like sleep outside. You'll get bitten by things, eaten by things in some places. It's, it's, it's a tough place. I did a little weeding randomly a couple of days ago and I got all this, I have this itchy rash on my hands. I don't, I don't, I'm not even allergic to poison ivy and there's no poison ivy here or poison oak, so I don't know what it is, but something got me and now I'm, there's pain, right? That, this is how the world is, right? You can just like get gotten by all sorts of stuff all the time. If life were designed to cre- primarily to support our happiness, imagine that for a moment. It would look completely different. Sugar would be great for you. Right? You'd be able to sleep 16 hours a day like cats. Grass, you'd be able to lie in the grass and have it feel like a $3,000 latex mattress. Right? That's what that world would look like. All the ocean water all over the world would be a balmy 86 degrees. You know? That's, imagine that. We could go on forever. The world doesn't seem to be designed like that. It's scratchy and cold and windy and hard. And and we build these houses and make blankets and stuff and make movies to make it more comfortable. But as it is, it's not that comfortable a world. So what if it's not designed to make us happy? What if it's designed to make us grow? And then if so, if your primary value is growth, and happiness is second, and you go, well, I still want to be happy. I'd li- I prefer to feel good over feeling bad, but I surrender to that the design of things seems to be about my evolution in knowledge, skill, and awareness. That's, that seems to be what's called for. So if that's what's called for, I'm going to put my happiness secondary to that and Assume that if I can abide with reality that wants that from me, then that will result in happiness. That will be somehow good for me. 
That's the surrender. That I'm going to trust this larger force and find my happiness, my fulfillment inside of that larger thing. And that the life lessons come first and my happiness comes second. Trusting that that happiness somehow will come from that. That's a kind of surrender. Which you don't have much control over, right? Because what we're saying here is you don't get to decide what your life lessons are. That's kind of an important point here. Life decides that. You don't decide that. Because if you decide what your life lessons are, they're not life lessons. They're you lessons, right? And part of the design of life, this is really interesting, part of the design of life is at least temporarily, you can turn off the lessons. You can, you can, you can watch a movie, you can go on vacation, you can take Profifol, you, and you can do any number of things that just says, you know what, life, I can't take anymore, I gotta check out. And there's no judgment about whether that's good or bad. Certainly, in some cases, that's absolutely the right thing for someone to do. So that's the thing. We have this illusion of like, you know what, life, I need to take a break. And life's like, okay, I get that you think that. But what, what, what's true, you have no idea. Sometimes you may be right. Certainly, we need to take a break. We all sleep, you know, six to eight hours a night. That's a break. But even then, you're dreaming, you know, and that can be really intense. The sort of the meta of this piece of the conversation, I think, is just to, to, to have this surrender of like, we don't really know what we're ready for and not ready for. I mean, every, all of you have had this experience of a bunch of stuff, ha- quote, happens to you and you go, man, I am not ready for this. It's the same kind of thing. Life's like, oh, I hear you, that you think you're not ready for this and you're going to find out what's actually true about that. You know, uh, there's a great Schopenhauer quote. He said, uh, can anything really happen to us for which we are not ready? And I, I think I, I like the truth of that. I think, I don't think we draw experiences to us that we're not ready for because either we rise to it or we fail. Either way you learn saying, well, the X such and such happened to me and I wasn't ready. What does that mean? You mean you know what the outcome was supposed to be and then it didn't happen, therefore you're concluding you weren't ready? What if life gave you that, that you know, set of circumstances precisely so you could fail? Right? Really, to say I wasn't ready for such and such is in one way is quite arrogant. You can have an idea about it, but you don't ultimately know. Ask yourself, like, what, what is it you're having a difficult time with? What's frustrating with you, for you right now? What's difficult? What are your challenges? And are you actively and abidingly seeing them as an aspect of a specific life, life lesson? Because if you're not, paradoxically, it, it makes it much harder. You know, when you're frustrated about something, usually it's because you think it shouldn't be that way. This is happening, and I don't like that it's happening. It shouldn't be happening. I'm frustrated. Well, how do you know it shouldn't be happening this way? Now, this is tricky because many of the New Age spiritualists these days go take this too far and start saying things like, well, everything is perfect exactly how it is. Therefore, there's no, perf- no point for me to get out of bed in the morning. So there's a tricky balance here. You, you, you earn your way to this kind of perspective by being someone who 
takes a lot of responsibility and does everything they can to affect a situation. Only after you're a highly functional human being, I think, can you start to surrender to, okay, maybe this is out of my hands. You got to do everything that you can. And then if it still isn't different, then you go, okay, I guess there's a lesson for me to learn here. That's the surrender. But you don't earn that surrender without putting all that effort in first. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.